ask you the question, not the question so common in Christianity is, do you believe in Jesus? Um, that's not the question for the church. The question is, are you a follower of Jesus? Got a lot of people who say they believe but don't follow. And that's just not Christianity. So the question for the church today is, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and if you have not made that distinction, maybe you said, oh, I, I believe in Jesus. But when you hear it, am I a follower of Jesus? That might be a whole other realm that you've not considered. And so I would ask you to consider that, that you were a follower of the Lord Jesus moment by moment, decision by decision, activity by activity. And so how many of you, when put to that question, could say, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus? All right. Amen. Let's go to the Word today. I, I want to share with you some thoughts and some understanding about God. I give you an outline. We're going to talk about it tonight, and that is the goodness of God. Is God good? How about this? You all know this. Hey, God is good. And all the time. Do you really believe that? No, 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 no. Do you really believe that God is good all the time? Do you? You do. Because I've been with some of you who do not. <laughs> and we've all had that place where we really question if God is good. It's a normal question. But that's a good one. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You know, it's almost like, hey, it's our little chant. You know, but when rubber meets the road and crisis hits your house, we have a lot of questions. When something happens outside of what we think it should be, we really wonder, where's God? I've been there. I would imagine. Has anybody else ever been there? Okay, okay, we have. So I want to ask the question that everybody asks, and it is quite a popular question today, and that is, is God good? What is, what is good? Now, this is an important question to ask because everybody's got to come to a conclusion if you're a follower and if you're a defender of the faith, because there's a lot of people out here who have a question as to whether God is good. This God you believe in, if He's good and if He's God, why is there so much evil and bad things in the world? Very common question, would you agree? It's one of the chief questions that causes people who grew up in the church to leave the faith because it seemed all was fine until they hit a calamity or a catastrophe or a crisis and things aren't going the way they were promised to be going. How many of you remember that song? I never promised you a rose garden along with the rain sometimes. All that kind of baloney. All right. But everybody has to have a crisis of faith. It is essential to have a crisis of faith so you know whether you have faith or not. Faith without a crisis is just uh, wishful thinking. You need a crisis to measure your faith. And it challenges the muscle of your faith. And so there are times where we've all asked, is God good? It's a very common question. And if we as Christians don't have an answer, 
then people are going to continue to walk away from this church and Christianity. In the West, in the United States, Christianity's on the decline because many are wondering, if God's so good, why is the world so bad? Now, most of the world where Christianity is flourishing lives with bad. They're used to evil and calamity. That's not even a question for them. When you're used to living in the muck and mire of of disaster and catastrophe, you know God is good because He's sustaining you and will get you out of it. But we in the sunshine world, where all's rosy and flowers, we wonder, I stub my toe, is God good? How could He let this happen? Because the psalmist says that the angels will guard my feet from hitting the rock. I'm being sarcastic because I have to. Sometimes that's the only thing that gets through. Now, it's important to ask this question, but this question is extremely important to your faith because it can do damage as well. Because the enemy uses this word, this question, as the doorway to deception quite often. This is the turning point. I've been reading this week a lot of different blogs of of a pastor who is now an atheist, uh, and a a strong evangelical Christian who walked from his faith and is now uh, uh, a non-believer, and they're happy about it. And guess what the question was that began to stir these issues? Is God good? And if God's good, why is there such evil? And this is that beginning. It's the doorway to deception. So everybody's got to answer it. All of you need to be confronted by it, and then you've got to find your way through it. And I want to talk about it tonight. So let's see where this question really came into play at the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. There happened to be a serpent in the garden talking and questioning Eve and said, hey, can you eat of every tree in the garden? And she said, well, we can eat of every tree except that tree. Because that tree is not what we're supposed to eat. And this is what the serpent said. Because if we, she said, if we eat that tree, we'll die. And here is the serpent cunningly saying, You're, you will not die. Did God say they'd die? Yes. Did the serpent, what did he do? Contradicted the word boldly. You're not going to die. And then he plants this. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. What does that place in Eve's conscience? Doubt. Is God withholding something from me? And if God is withholding something from me, does God care about me? Is God what? Good. Or is God the one deceiving us? That's what came into play. And it says she looked at the fruit and it was good to eat. And then she believed the lie and it was good for knowledge. Oh yeah, it was good for knowledge. The knowledge of evil. The knowledge of rebellion. But she had to inwardly, you don't see it in the text, but she had to ask that question in this struggle of should I or shouldn't I eat it? She had to come because of the lie planted by the enemy. She had to figure out, is God keeping something from me? And if He is, that's not good for me. 
How many of you have had that question? Is God acting on my best behalf? And, and here's the answer, folks. It's not about you. This is His planet. This is His issue. This is His show. This is His life. This is all Him. We're here for Him. He's not here for you. Now that's a twisted thought. Job one twenty one. Job had an issue. He got really smashed by the enemy. Do you see how the enemy is in this question? Do you see how he uses it as a gateway? Think about Job. Job thought, why am I going through all this? He didn't know the cosmic warfare that was going on over his life. God was using him as, uh, as uh, his warrior against the enemy. Satan was buffeting him. Job just thought, if I could have an audience with God so I could state my case here, I don't deserve this. And so, but here is how Job had the victory. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now that's a good theology right there. Because who's the center of all the, of life's event in Job's life? The Lord. Not Job. So that's huge. The number one reason people abandon the faith is this question, if God is good, why? If God is good, why? Well then, what are you saying, Pastor? We should just all believe God is good, God is good. No, I'm saying you need to find out if God is good. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This takes commitment, activity, participation, and wrestling with the Lord. Taste and see. The world that does not taste God, the world that does not look into God, can be happy to say there is no God because there's so much evil. What is that saying? If we come to the conclusion that there is no God, and this is much of atheistic thinking right now, if you're on the internet, if you Google this, if you look up YouTube and you see the atheists and all their explanations, number one issue is, if there is a God, why is there so much evil? There is no God because there's evil. Well, what's the conclusion? Then what triumphs? Evil. And as an atheist, you have no answer to evil. And as an atheist, if you have no answer to evil, and you have nothing that is greater than evil, evil is supreme. And as an atheist, since you have no morality, because you have no ultimate good or ultimate moral values, then evil is how you define it. Therefore, I could kill you, and I feel that's good. And you can't criticize that because... According to my rationale, it's good and not evil. Hitler, then, is morally okay. The strong survive. This is the teaching of evolution, isn't it? The fittest, right? The fit, the strongest survive. What is the ultimate 
reaction or conclusion to that. Darwin even understood this. He said he stated it in his early writings that this is one of the most disconcerting thought he had that if his theory were true, what it could lead to. Because it can lead to evil triumphing always. So it's important for you to ask the question, is God good? And it's important for you to taste and see so that you can defend whether he is good or not. Because many people in the church they grow up in, they've never been able to ask that. They always have to just believe, just believe, just trust. And of course it takes trust and belief, but God invites you to reason with him. God says, come, let us reason together, Isaiah 1, 17 and 18. Come, consider these things, reason with me, think about this, understand these things. We don't have blind faith, we have wide, eye, wide open eye faith. We taste and we see that God is good. Now, let's take a look at this. You know what always gets me about those who begin with entering that question that the enemy poses into our lives, if God is good, why is there such evil? Then uh, I remember I, I read a couple, again, like I said, a couple of these blogs of former Christians, of even pastors, even leaders and strong Christians who, who now uh, base a, a conclusion as to whether God is good or not, and what they do is they use moral reasoning against God. Isn't that interesting? And they say, well, God can't be good if He allows this to happen in the Old Testament and if He said this in the law and if He did that. Oh, okay, so you school God now. Your moral opinions of God. God can't weigh or measure up to your moral evaluations of God. That's interesting, isn't it? And so that's where we're at. Ask a lot of people. Everything's emotionally based. On my opinion, this is how I feel, that according to my understanding of the Old Testament, and, I, and, and one of the key issues was, why would God kill someone for picking up sticks on the Sabbath? Now, in my moral reasoning, that's not a good God. Therefore, I eliminate Him. Well, I guess we should all bow down to that guy. He's got more moral aptitude than God does. But in reality, it's, it's framed in ignorance. He doesn't understand that Old Testament law. He doesn't understand the reasoning of God. He doesn't understand what God was doing with a nation, forming a nation to follow after the kingdom principles of his own nature. So what's wrong with picking a stick up on the Sabbath? Well, every Jew knew this, every Israelite knew it, that the Sabbath is the sign of the covenant between God and Israel. And he told them to keep it holy. Sanctify this day. It is your wedding ring. It is your marriage symbol. It's the symbol that says, you are my people, I am your God. It is the most sacred thing you could do, is to keep the Sabbath. So for you to trivialize the Sabbath by picking up sticks for your fire, wood for your kindling, so that you can have a warm house is such an offense to a holy God and it would create such rebellion among a nation of people who are to keep that one day perfectly holy. And so it's not an innocent guy troppling, and I don't know what troppling is, but singing and dancing to pick up his sticks 
and getting his sticks for a fire. It's not that. It's a man who understands the Sabbath and purposely rebels against the holy commands of a holy God who is saving these people for a sacred nation to be the light of the world and he's destroying the very principles and foundations that God is establishing for the salvation of all the world. That's how important that was. I don't see it that way. I just think God's mean. Well, your ignorance is creating a real moral dilemma. What's God going to do with you? He died for you. If God's good, why is there such evil? Let's talk about it. We've got to learn, first of all, what is good. That's where we've got to go back to. You can't judge God against your, your definition and understanding of what is good. Look at if I took a t- if I took a, a questionnaire here tonight and 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 asked what is good, it would all go in favor of you. We'd have an argument because your good's not your good because your good's for you and your good's for you. We all try to make us the winner in this thing. If God really loved us, He'd do this. He'd do that. I prayed this. I want that. It says in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to His purpose. I quote that scripture. All things are working together for good. I usually quote that scripture when I'm like going under my breath. All things are working together for good. I don't know how and I can't see it, but I trust all things are working together for good. You know what I'm talking about. The good there, we all want to define by our understanding of good. Good means my day is good, my finances are good, my love life's good, my job's good, everything's good. God works everything together for my good. That's American theology. How many of you know that? That's the bless me theology. You can get whatever you need. And God's got all these promises just for your good. No. All things work together for good for those who are called according to His what? Oh, I'm sorry, for what? Whose purposes? Yeah, all the good that's working together is for His purposes. It's not based on your definition of good. So the good is what God deems as good. Now, the good for the man picking up the sticks was, I'm going to have fire tonight. I'm going to make my chili. I don't know if he made chili on Sunday, Saturday. But God's good was, I'm raising up a nation who are going to be a light to the Gentiles, who are going to bring the Messiah in to save the world, who are going to be a holy people and a royal priesthood, and they need to learn to obey me and hear my commands. So God's good outweighed the guy picking up sticks good, and he didn't think God was good because he's dead. And according to God's good, guess what? That was good. Because he snuffed out evil as soon as he could with rebellion. He does it over and over in the Old Testament, and everybody from the New Testament goes, how could he be so mean? Can I tell you, he's being so good. How could that be, Pastor? Korah just wanted to have a discussion as to who should be leader, Moses or him. Why didn't we take a vote? Let's make this a democracy. 
Because God knows Korah's heart. And Korah is a man who is rebellious. And Korah is a man who stirred up the rest of his family to say, I should be boss, not Moses. And God knows what Korah would have done with Israel if Korah was the boss. And as he approached Moses and Moses said, come before the, pre- the uh, tabernacle of God that morning. And, Moses and, and Korah was that bold enough to do it and to be that rebellious to come against the man of God, Moses. What was the good for Korah? That he should have a vote, he should have t-shirts, vote for me, Korah. His good was, I'm going to be boss, and I'll tell you what, I ain't taking us through this wilderness. The good of God was, the ground opened up, well, after they burned, God, fire came out of the tabernacle and burned them, they were toast. And guess what? That was the good according to God's purpose. That seems rash. What, did everybody cheer? No, I, think, I don't think everybody cheered. I think everybody fell on their face and recognized God is holy. And this is God's show, not ours. And He has chosen us to obey. And that is the good of God. Now, we can't see that from our perspective so often. But all things are working together accumulatively, all that you and I are going through tonight, today, this year in our lives, somehow, some way, God is working this in a plan that will be good for His purposes. And can I tell you something? Along the way, it's going to shape you into the image of His Son. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Wow, I'd hate to serve a God that has my thoughts. And I know what you're thinking, so. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts greater than your thoughts. And so he doesn't think like us. Our definition of good doesn't even come close to his reality of what is good. Our understanding of all things working together for good doesn't even come near His reality of what it means. You won't know till you get there the plans that were above what you could ask or even imagine that you could even think of, of how He wove these things together. Not just in your life, but with all the believers' lives from generation to generation. He is weaving something into your heart and into your life right now that is going to impact The next ten generations. You can't see it. I can't see it. I just want my goodie bag tonight. How many of you have kids? You know what I'm talking about. I want a cookie. I want a... How many of you love this at the grocery store? Where do they put all the candy? Come on! You made it all the way through with these kids. Right here, play with these grapes, eat these crackers, do anything. Stop grabbing from the, from the, the aisle. Just, just sit still. Here, do something. Uh, sit down in the car. You make it all the way through, and then that's it. I want this. I want that. I want this. You can't have that. But I can grab it. Where do they put it? Right all from the floor up. And you say, no, you're going to spoil your dinner. They don't care about dinner. Who cares about dinner? I want a candy bar. That's no different than you and I. 
There's a greater good you see and understand for them that they don't grasp. It's the same with all of us. There's a greater good that we don't recognize. You see, we are emotionally based in our worldview. We define good by what we're feeling right now. This doesn't feel good, therefore it must not be good. I tell this story, I've told it a number of times, my son, he, uh, well, he really didn't break his arm, he bent his arm. That's weird. But his, he was a little guy and he tried to climb up on the bike to go for a bike ride and I wasn't on the bike. And so he climbed up and the bike went thump, and it broke his arm, but it didn't break, it just bent. So we took him to the hospital and they said it was a green bend because his bones weren't brittle yet. They were just flexible. But I remember them having to give a shot, and I, and I remember that I had to hold him down. And he's looking in my eyes in great pain with great fear as to what they're going to do. And as I'm holding him down, I'm telling him, this is for your own good. He didn't feel that this was good <laughs> at all. There's nothing good about this. Look at some of us go through suffering. Some of us go through great pain. And you can't figure out what is the good of this? I don't know. But God does. And so there's an emotional based worldview, but then there's a circumstantial based view that my circumstances dictate my belief in God. Again, these guys that left the faith. Their, their whole reason for leaving the faith is someone near and dear to them died who didn't believe in the Lord and they couldn't handle the, the concept that they'd be in hell. I loved Aunt Gertie. So how could God send Aunt Gertie to hell? She's a sweet lady. So I'm not going to believe in God anymore. Now how many of you have known that? It was a famous preacher. Had church of thousands that turned from the the concept of hell because of his grandma dying. Circumstantial situation. We base our theology on our thought and response to life instead of a transcendent truth revealed from heaven. We want this book to line up with our circumstances. And when it doesn't, we don't know if we can trust it. Well, how about we look at the opposite point of view? That all things need to line up with this, and when it doesn't, don't trust it. That could be your own feelings, your own emotions, and your own experiences. That's where faith comes in, to trust that God is working this thing to good. There is a pure moral goodness, and that is God. So let's take a look at that. The nature of goodness. The greater good. Goodness does not mean that there's no pain or suffering, but that suffering may occur to bring about a greater good. Again, I gave you that illustration with my son. How many times setting a broken bone does it hurt? How many times going you, you willingly go to the dentist Right? That's crazy right there. 
You go to the dentist, even just getting your teeth cleaned, you know the hygienist is going to rip your gums apart. Right? But you go. Why? The greater good. I'm going to keep these teeth, though for two days they'll hurt. And of course, they wouldn't hurt as bad if you've lost. You hear that all the time, too. It's like, thank you. I feel like preaching to my dentist, because he gets real preachy with me. Okay, Tim, which teeth do you want to lose? You should floss more. You got three threes and two fives. Hmm? What did I tell you about flossing? You got your water pick? You know, I feel like standing, okay, listen, you believe in Jesus Christ? You better get right with the Lord. You're preaching at me, I'm going to preach at you. But, I mean, I'm using simple definitions here, simple analogies that we, there are things that cause suffering and pain, but there's a reason for them. Now, are you saying, pastor, that suffering and pain is brought to us by God? I'm not saying it's always brought to us by God, but God is fully aware of every action in the earth. And there's nothing that happens without His permission. Now that'll blow your mind. He would allow this, therefore I'm not going to believe in God if He allows that. Then what do you got left? Either you believe in God, or if you do not believe in God, you've got nothing to believe in, and you've got no answer And you've got no greater good that's coming out of this suffering. Uh, I don't know if any of you listen to Sam Harris. He's a real hip and cool atheist. He's what most of the young people listen to. Um, And he's real smug. And his main argument is, how can you believe in God uh, if God allows all these horrible things to happen? You Christians believe in a God that over in... uh, some area of the Philippines or somewhere, a tsunami comes and wipes out 3,000 children and your God didn't do anything about it. You believe in a God like that who in fact not only knew it was coming but allowed it to happen. What kind of God are you that you would believe in such a God like that? He's, he's very in your face about it. My question to him is, okay, if we don't believe in God, then what does it matter that 3,000 kids were just killed? What are you taking a moral offense to this and bringing up children to us to play on our heartstrings that we would think, oh, you're right, how could God allow that? But what's the alternative of what you believe? You would believe that there's no value to those children's lives. So what do you care that if if a tsunami took out 3,000? It doesn't matter. Do you see what you're left with? Don't let them play this game with you to call God bad because there's evil. Well, if there's no God, then evil wins and there's no ultimate remedy against evil. There is natural disaster. There is calamity. God knows it happens, but God provided an out. God provided a salvation through Jesus Christ. God provided things, yet there are things that are calamities, but we can't see the good that could come out of it, but God can. Can you trust that He can? Listen, if God is all-knowing, omniscient, and all-powerful and perfectly good, you have to ask this question. If God were not all-knowing, then evil would exist because of God's ignorance. So if God is not all-knowing, there'd be evil because He didn't know it was going to happen. Well, if God 
is not all-powerful. Evil exists because God couldn't prevent it. Is that the answer? Do we have evil because God doesn't know about evil? That He doesn't know when it's going to strike? Do we have evil because evil's stronger than God? And it overpowers and it wins and tricks Him every time? Some of us think of it that way. And if God is not perfectly good, well, evil would exist because, well, if God's not perfectly good, there's a shadow of turning in Him. And if He's not perfectly good, there's some fault in Him, and He would allow evil for the fault that He has. Maybe His anger, maybe He's this or that. So now evil exists for another reason apart from God. No, God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. And God is all-good. He allows evil to continue. He allows sorrow and pain to continue to use it unto His good. I knew I wouldn't get an amen on that. Because that's just too hard to take. But you have to find an answer. And I'm, I would rather have a sovereign God who even allows the pain and suffering of life to redeem a good in our lives. There are things in your life that you never would have comprehended except for the suffering you went through. There are places I believe in my own life I never would be standing behind this pulpit and preaching for 24 years if I didn't experience what I experienced when I was 16 years old. There are things that shape my life. There was suffering and pain that I have gone through that showed me the dimensions of God's character that I wouldn't have found on the glory bus. There's an ultimate good that God is bringing to your life. I don't know what you're suffering through now. Some of you have lost babies. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost mates or, or, or husbands or wives. Some of you have lost dear, precious people to death or, or calamities. Uh, uh, some may have had lives just taken from them. and the Calamities happen every day. Are you saying that God, God lets this stuff happen? God is well aware of everything that happens. But what He does is redeems every situation for a good. So calamity may have happened. Don't blame God for it, but trust Him through it. And I know what I'm talking about because I've been through it. Trust Him through it. Why? Because God is good. He is good. He is good. And if you don't think God understands suffering, let me take you to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet for the joy set before Him, what did He endure? Suffering. He endured evil. And in fact, He became sin. All that was evil, bad, horrible, torturous, it was put upon Him. He knows suffering. He knows evil, but because of the greater good of God who so loved the world, He endured the worst suffering that there could be put upon any human being. Not only the suffering of carrying our sins and all of humanity's sins, but God's judgment on all of sin upon Himself. 
He knows suffering. He knows pain. He knows betrayal. He knows heartache. He endured it all for the good that brought all of us salvation. God is good. All the time. All the time, God is good. I conclude with this. You taught your children what was good. If you left your children to themselves and their own devices, you know what they would be? Evil. I've seen some of them. Just kidding. You leave a child, they're going to form after their own nature, and the nature of man is evil. It's fallen. You have to teach your children good. Well, when you get born again, you need to be taught what is good. And many of us have not begun to learn what is truly God good. We learn what we think is good and we brought it into our salvation and we want God to perform all the good that we think is good according to our understanding. You need to learn the good from God. That's why you're invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, whatsoever things are good, Let me read it to you so I quote it correctly. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there's any praise, think on these things. Learn what is good. That is good. That is God. He is morally perfect. He is excellent in all His ways. If we being sinners know how to give good things to us, how much more, higher than the the earth to the sky, He says, are my ways than yours. How much more do I know how to give good things to you who ask for it? And what is the very good thing He gives us? Is it good gifts? Is it good bigger cars? Is it good more money? Is it good health? He gives us Himself. There's nothing better than Him. And the best thing He gives to us is His Holy Spirit, His own nature, His own goodness, His own purity. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. And when you can't figure out what's good about your life right now, you trust in His character. Because what He's going to do is He is going to redeem it into something that is good like He is. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Taste and see the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're going through something now, stand up. Musicians, you can come.